if you don't know me, I'm Adrian. I'll be kind of taking us through this next bit where we're continuing this series, which we've entitled uh, Building Cultures. What we recognize is those who've centered their lives on Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It's not just going to transform our lives inwardly, but it's also going to transform who we are outwardly as we build community together and also as we seek to reveal that community wherever we've been uniquely placed in terms of our university campuses, our home life, our families, our workplaces, the shops we shop in, everything that makes it up, we're meant to be revealing something different. And so what we've said is if that's the case, what are some of the attributes then of this culture that we're to build? Of what are some of the attributes and characteristics of what it looks like to be under Jesus' rule and reign? And so we've been looking at that week in, week out. And this morning I want to look at another one of those attributes. But before we get there, I wanted to just do a quick other invite in terms of the Christmas season. It wasn't on the PowerPoint, but we are definitely doing it. It's not on the postcard either. And that is on Sunday the 18th of December, after the beauty that is Nativity Who. Which I promise if you don't go to anything else, go to that because it is amazing. Um, from f- 3 o'clock through till 3 o'clock. Uh, everyone is invited to our house, uh, mine and Lucy's house, uh, which is, uh, we'll give you the address in weeks to come because you'll forget at this point in time. But basically, it's different points that we find it's just really good just to kind of invite everyone around so we can hang out. Now, at this point, we don't live in a massive house, but somehow it's a bit like the TARDIS. And so the more people you jam in, the bigger it feels. And so I really invite all of you to come around us on that point. Just a great way of kind of ending the year, uh, celebrating the fact that we do actually like hanging out. It'll be pretty chilled. Uh, Obviously, you don't have to stay till three in the morning, uh, but it felt like uh, we didn't want to put an end at it, but just people can come around us. So three o'clock onwards that day. However, back to this afternoon. In respect to today, I felt I was going to actually speak on something different. And as the week went on this week, I felt prompted to focus on a different attribute to the one I was going to look at. And that was partly in two, two reasons. One was out of God's grace to me, as I felt like the, the, the subject I was going to look at, which is the whole area of creativity and beauty, that I wasn't going to do it justice this Sunday, uh, if I'm brutally honest. And the other is that I felt like and believed that actually what we're going to look at today is what God wants us most to look at today. And so I felt it was partly generosity to God, to me, but also hopefully part of us getting hold of what God's wanting to do in and through us at the moment. And so today I want us to look at the whole area of authenticity and how we build a culture of authenticity. As I think one of the words that I often hear describe, describing us as a community is one of transparency and authenticity, and we often use that as a way of describing us. And my concern can be that there's a potential of us thinking, well, that's a kind of buzzword around Oasis. We have different buzzwords, don't we? You know, like the, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we take God very seriously. And you can hear those buzzwords, and you think, oh, yeah, it's kind of buzzword, sounds snappy. Or maybe it sounds as a bit more hipster-type church. Oh, we're kind of the authentic church. We're going to grow beards, be a bit more hipster. Um, no disrespect to the beardies. Um, <laughs> Very impressed. <laughs> to be honest, just as a quick aside, you know, I'll keep you with it. Some of you, your beards are very impressive. If I grow a beard, I basically look 20 years older than I do now. That's the reality. It's so grey that um, I double up as Father Christmas well and truly. Um, but and obviously, I'm in kind of. <laughs> there's. Where am I? Authenticity, not a hipster thing, not a kind of buzzword. Uh, It's also not kind of an attribute of thinking, let's be some sort of progressive church. Rather, what I want us to understand is, it's actually at the very heart of the culture we're to build, because authenticity is at the very heart of the kingdom. 
And I'm hoping we're going to see that. Now, I think it's really important we look at this because of the day and age we're living in. You see, if we were to look at uh, different philosophers, one of the ones that uh, I've come across in the last week is they would call this age that we're living in the age of authenticity. And so if you uh, look, there's a guy called, if we flip to the next slide, a guy called uh, Charles Taylor in his book, The Secular Age. What he's doing is he's reviewing kind of where we're at society and saying, actually, if I was to, to kind of banner where we're at, I'd call it the age of authenticity. And he goes into kind of explain something of why that's the case. And in it, what he does is he says, actually, there's this sense that there's been the, the, the rise of the individual and individualism. And in that rise of the individual individualism, there's, there's been some things that are good within it and some things that actually as followers of Jesus we should see are good in terms of the, the rise and call for equal rights. And so equal rights in terms of race and gender have come out of that desire to say actually maybe every individual has a right. Now actually you also got to say and point to and say, well, a lot of those calls for rights actually have their origin in what we believe as followers of Jesus in the equality of all before God, everyone made in the image of God. And what he goes on to do is give a bit of a sober judgment of where we went wrong as church and how we tended to not reveal an equality, which then meant people said, I like what you say, but I don't like what you do, therefore let's ditch who you are and we'll do something different. And in it, what he then goes on to say is actually, not only has there been these kind of rights, but also what's happened is in this rise of the rights of the individual, it's then caused there to become a kind of desire to continuously look inward to understand who we authentically are as individuals. And so the authenticity of any individual is actually only ever going to be found by themselves through themselves. And so there becomes this increasing sense of, actually, I've got to continuously understand who I am, how I'm wired, in order that I can show what I'm really about. I can't have that given to me either by parents or by society or by structures. Actually, I've got to find that for myself. And what that drives people in is an inward sense of continuously thinking, am, am I being authentic to who I am? And never quite feeling they are. But also an, an outward sense of becoming more and more isolated. Actually, well, no, you can't define who I am because actually I need to know who I am. Now, at this point, you can think, well, then if we're saying that the age of authenticity looks like that, surely then as far as Jesus, we need to point out and say it's wrong. I want to put to us that actually, rather than us pointing out that it's wrong, it gives us a unique moment in the day and age we are living in to offer an alternative. To offer an alternative to people who are longing for authenticity to show that actually maybe there's a different way of finding that authenticity. And not surprisingly, what we're going to discover is that is an authenticity that we find not within, but actually from outside of us, as we look to who God is. And, and in it, therefore, I want us to look briefly, really, of how, this, how we build a culture of authenticity by looking at the way to authenticity, the mark of authenticity, the path of authenticity, and the call to authenticity. Because what I want us to understand is if we've, we're following Jesus, actually we're, also, we're already those that should be living out of a place of authenticity. But that should then, in turn, shape who we are together in how we live in authenticity together and reveal authenticity to others. So that's kind of where we're going at. But where I want to start off with is this whole thing of the way to authenticity. Because Jesus kind of made it pretty clear of how we can authentically understand who we are 
when he writes this, or said this, and it's recorded in Matthew 5, 3, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, if you want to know what life really looks like, if you want to know a true sense of authenticity, it comes under my rule and reign, and it comes through understanding something about who you are and who God is. See, where there's cool in terms of individualism is that my authenticity comes from me discovering more and more of who I am by looking more and more into who I am. Actually, Jesus says, no, that's not the way that you're going to find it. Ultimately, you've got to look outside of who you are. Because what Jesus kind of pulls out here is he says, actually, we don't understand that, there is, that we are poor in spirit. That's the key part. Of understanding that actually who we are when we look inside are those that ultimately don't know that sense of wholeness. Continuously feel fragile. Continuously, however much we look in and however much we feel like, oh, maybe this is okay. There's still this part of us that thinks that this doesn't still feel okay. I'm still not whole. And what Jesus says is actually, if you want to know true authenticity, actually where it comes is by looking to one who is authentically whole. That when we see who God is as Father, Son, and Spirit, who is holy, loving, just, righteous, and good, suddenly we realize that we aren't. And it's in that moment that actually we realize that, that we realize that actually we're empty. We're those that are poor in spirit, we're those that are left literally saying, actually, when I look at what it looks like for someone to be whole, I realize, realize how empty I am. And therefore I come to you, God, and I say, you who are whole, you are who are wholly loving, merciful, just, righteous and good, I ask you to come and fill me where I'm not that. And the starting point is there, that for many of us in centering our lives on Jesus' life, death and resurrection, that's what we've discovered. Is actually the, the way to authenticity, the way to know the truth of who we are comes firstly in the reality of the we're empty and that we need you, God, because you're full and we need you to come and fill us. And what that then does is in us finding that, discovering that way to authenticity, it then causes us to be marked with authenticity or a mark of authenticity over us, a mark that allows us to then understand something different about who we truly are. So let me illustrate weekly for a moment. The shirt I'm wearing is authenticated. It's authenticated by this little label here that says diesel. Now in it, I've got this authenticated mark here to do one of two things. One is to show that I'm just really cool because I can wear diesel shirts, obviously, because it's therefore making things, oh yeah, you're quite cool, Adrian. You wear diesel shirts. The other thing is, if you were to know more about me, is you'd realise the only reason I wear diesel shirts is because I go to TK Maxx. And TK Maxx allows you to buy things that are more expensive than they should be at a reasonable amount of money. So that's, that's that. But what this badge does, it says, this shirt isn't any old shirt. It's been authenticated. It's one that is definitely 100% diesel. And they kind of not only put it on the badge, they put it on the buttons, they put it on the label. So this shirt is well and truly marked, authenticated as diesel. But this is just the shirt. What we're told is that actually once we've put our trust in Jesus' life, death and resurrection, once we've got to that point of saying, man, I'm poor, I've got nothing, God, would you come and fill me? Is that God comes and authenticates us and marks us 
as his own. So we see it ultimately in Revelation 22.4. It has this phenomenal image of what it looks like when we finally meet God. And it says, we will see him face, his face. We will see God face to face. Now what we've got to understand even about that moment is that is a moment of reality that is not being seen up to this point. You see, you can look at some of the heroes of the Old Testament. We can look at uh, someone like Moses or Elijah, who we're told, Moses kind of gets told, oh, you're going to see God, but you're just going to see the back of him. You can't see his face because actually you'll be ruined if you see God's face because of the fact that he is holy, loving and perfect and righteous and just and merciful. And you just can't contain that. Elijah, the same one, you know, moment of kind of total depression, God meets Elijah and says, I'm going to come and cause you to see me, but you're just going to see the very back of me as I pass. Why, to see him face to face means ruin. And yet there's going to come a moment where actually every single one of us is going to see God face to face because there's nothing to be hidden. We're forever his. And in it, it then goes on and says, and his name will be on their foreheads. In other words, just as this shirt is labelled is authenticated as diesel, you and I will forever be authenticated as gods. There is no other created being that's going to have that. Humanity was always the one that was marked out, saying these are the bearers of my image. And forever we're not only going to be those that can be seen to be bearers of his image, it seems it's going to be written on us, gods. Forever. In order that angels and other created beings can look in and say, oh, oh, there's something different here. These ones are authenticated by God. And in that authentication, it isn't just something that is to happen in the future. It's also something to live with now. So that Romans 8, 16, it says this, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That we're poor. God, would you come and fill me? And then God says, I fill you and I cause you to become mine. To know who you are authentically is mine. You're my children. Everything else then of who you are is to flow out of that place. And the spirit comes and dwells within us. Now, some of us think, is the spirit in me? Yeah, well, as soon as you put your trust in Jesus' life, death and resurrection, it says, well, the spirit comes alive within you. In actual fact, Paul goes on to say, it's like you've been sealed by the spirit. It's like a seal, not like a, ar, ar, ar. it's not that kind of seal, it's a, a kind of mark. I did that in the first meeting because it just wakes everyone up. I, I think it's a relatively good impression of a seal as well. <laughs> I do, I've, I've been working on it. To be honest, I had thought of bringing a beach ball in, balancing on my nose and going, because I just thought it was that good. Now, all of you are never going to remember anything I say apart from this. You're going to all tomorrow morning go, hey, she was like, ar, 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 and then you're going to remember sealed because that's what you are. Sealed by God's spirit, working in you in order that you would know you are now sealed, branded within, in order that you'd know the very core of your being, you are his children, which means this, that you and I are unconditionally loved and accepted forever by the God who is Father, Son and Spirit, who is all loving, all justice, all righteousness and all goodness. And he loves and accepts us unconditionally. And it's that that we need to live from. That's what it means that we're being authenticated, that we're now to live within this moment of being authentic. 
Because it isn't something we're trying to find within. It's rather something that's been placed beyond us by God. He says, this is who you are now. You're mine. You're my child. Which then causes us then not to live thinking, all right, okay, fine. No, it causes us to live fundamentally different. It means we get to live then in a path of authenticity. So we get to know this authenticity by understanding, man, we've got nothing to add to the equation. God, you give us everything. We get to be marked by his authentication. Saying, oh, now we're forever his. It now causes us to live out, to live in this path of authenticity. That means that we get to live in the reality of our everyday. Understanding that it's in this place we get to reveal who we authentically are as God's children. See, Romans 12, 3 says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. See, what happens in that moment of realizing that actually each and every one of us living out of authenticity is in the reality of us understanding who we are before God is it transforms how you and I then live in our everyday existence. Because what it means is that when I get to talk to people about who, you, who I am, as Adrian Hurst, I get to say, hey, who I am is I am way worse than I thought I was. That's the reality. Now, I can say it with a smile on my face because of the next bit that's coming. But the reality is, when I see who God is, and I look into who I am, I realize my frailty and my brokenness. And I realized there was nothing I could do about it. And so I was exceptionally poor. I had nothing to add. I just had to cry out, God, would you give me mercy? And so I am way worse than I thought I would be. I can dress it up. I can wear shirts that make me potentially look slightly younger. But the reality is I am way worse than I could have ever imagined. But the other side of it is that now I realize I'm way better than I could have ever hoped for. I'm way worse, but now I've got a way better hope than I ever thought possible. That I suddenly realized that actually it's nothing to do with who I am. It's everything to do with who God is and how he's defined me. Which then means that I get to live out of that place, as Paul wrote, saying, actually, I get to live with this sense of deep authenticity, of living with a uniquely sober judgment of who I am. Who am I? I'm a child of God. A child of God revealed through my weaknesses and my strengths, through my successes and my failures. See, what it means is that suddenly we get to remove all the masks See, ultimately, I think when we live in this age of authenticity, what there's a desire in is for people to say, actually, I just want things to be true. You look at it at different levels. You look at it in a political level. There's just a sense of if just someone could say what they mean. I'm, I'm just sick of spin. In terms of religion, there's this sense of do you, I just want people to actually live out what they seem to talk about. And then at an individual level, it comes, I just want to have that deep sense of yet that this is who I truly am. And what we have is this ability to say, well, actually, we've started to taste of this. Of what true authenticity looks like, of what it means to be genuine. 
so that we can look and say, actually, yeah, this, this is it. This is the reality. I'm a child of God. And I get to reveal that through my life that I'm living. In order that I just be a sense of not trying to hide things away, but rather saying, this is me trying to work this through. Work it out in the things that go well. Work it out in the things that I, I realize that are just not great. Which means that when someone asks me the question, how are you? That's like a massive question. Because suddenly that's an invitation to authenticity. So a couple of weeks ago, a guy bumped into on a Sunday. I limit how much I can define and show someone. But a couple of weeks ago, talking to someone and they said, how are you? That's like a big question. How are you? Well, way worse than I should be. I, you know, I've realised I'm way worse than I thought I was and also I've got a way better hope than I realised. So that's the starting point. And they said, oh, but that's not what you're ultimately, is it? How am I? Well, how am I doing in respect to myself? Well, at the moment, I'm understanding more and more that God loves me unconditionally. But what I realise is that actually I'm kind of, my life isn't quite working. And so I'm realizing that I need to really work on, though I talk a lot about it, rest. And so I'm having to work on how I end this year with a different rhythm. Because I've realized that if I end it at the rhythm I'm living at the moment, I'm just going to be very ill over Christmas. So I need to, I'm working on that. Oh, but that's just me as an individual. What about in terms of me being a husband? Well, as a husband, I feel like there's these things that I'm okay on, but there's this stuff that I just realised I need to do better on in terms of Lucy. Oh yeah, but then also my dad, oh, to Emily, Sam and Rebecca, I'm needing to be uniquely different to each and every one of them. This one, I think, really needs me to under, them to know that I'm just totally for them. This one needs a bit of help in this area. Oh, but that's just me as an individual, as a husband and a dad. Oh, then there's the Oasis. Oh, well, with Oasis at the moment, I feel like we're probably in the best place we've ever been as a church. There's more kind of stuff going on in individuals than I've ever seen, but in the stuff that's going on, people are leaning more into God than I've ever seen. There's this deep sense of security. And there's people who seem to come around and say, hey, we like this, can we become part of it? So it feels exciting. And then I look at the nation, I think, wow, what an opportunity at the moment that we're living in, that we get to reveal this. And after this point, we're 20 minutes in of that quick question of, how are you? And I look at the individual and I realise, oh, maybe they just wanted me to say, I'm all right. <laughs> and so I said, oh, that, that's how I am. What do they do at that point? They say, wow, thanks for sharing that. And I say, how are you? And so then they go, this is how I am. See, this call to authenticity is meant to shape everything about who we are. Because it's not just something that kind of we're to live with that transforms how we operate and how we talk about ourselves, but it's meant to transform who we are collectively together, how we live amongst others who don't know Jesus yet. So we haven't got time to look at it really today, but Acts 2, 42 to 47, which is this amazing image of this community of followers of Jesus who've just believed in him, been filled with the Spirit. And then it's kind of this account then of how do they then live. And there's so much stuff that people draw from this, but I just want to leave with this. I, I wonder whether this is what a community that is authentic truly looks like, or an authentic community truly looks like. 
Because what you find is that when a community is living out of that sense of being authenticated by God and then living out of that sense of authenticity, I think it causes us as a community to be those that are devoted to, to one another. It says that they're devoted to teaching, but also they're devoted to fellowship. See, I think authenticity means that we are devoted. It means that in there it says they have everything in common and they sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who's in need. In other words, they sought to share. They shared of their need and they shared of their, their ability to provide for one another's need. And then lastly, the next thing I think it says is it says they broke bread in their homes. What does that mean? It means that they went into each other's home. That doesn't sound very profound, does it? But I think it's immensely profound. What it meant is that they said, our lives are open to one another. To bring someone into your home is to say, I'm not hiding anything of who I am. See, I think if we want to really truly live, building with authenticity, I think these would be three good things for us to keep going for as a community. I think for us to go with a sense of let's be devoted to one another. Let's be wanting the best for one another. Let's be those who are seeking to share with one another, both our needs but also our ability to care for one another's needs. But let's also be those that say, hey, I'm not going to hide anything. Are there parts of your life that you don't want anyone else to know about? Because to live with authenticity is to say, actually, God, I know that you've called me your child and now I get to radiate that out, allowing there to be nothing hidden. That's quite scary, isn't it? Here's the truth. I, sometimes people come up to me and they say, Look, it's like, I'd love to get to know you a bit more. And I would say, I don't know what there else is to know, to be honest. I kind of share most of the stuff from the front. I don't kind of hide anything back. I'm not just kind of taking this little bit here, thinking they can know this much, but that bit there, no one's going to know. I kind of feel like, like, you know pretty much everything there is to know about me. If you listened to it week in, week out, you'd have found out my weaknesses of nodding, not taking out bins for my wife. You've heard that, confessed, working on it still. You'd have heard me talk about like where I know drop the ball with unbelievers or drop the ball with my, my family or where sometimes I think, man, I'm kind of getting this and realizing what it looks like to live more with God at the center of my life. Now, why is that important? Because actually what I want you to know is that this is me saying I'm not going to hide anything because that's the kind of community I want us to be. Well, we don't hide things. Or we say, yeah, my, my home's open. You can always come around to my house. You really can. But more than just my house, my life is open. And my call for you is, is yours. Or do you need to open it up a bit more to others? And then lastly, with it, I'd say, it's not only in terms of who we are individually and together as a community, it's also then how we deal with those that don't know Jesus. What I love about that passage in Acts 2 is it just says they enjoyed the favor of everyone. Because what they did is they just lived with that deep sense of authenticity together and in every life situation. 
And what it caused others to do is they saw it and they saw it modelled and it caused them to know favour and people felt and saw it as attractive and wanted some of it. And from my experience, the more and more you live this stuff out amongst the people we're, we're kind of rubbing shoulders with, the more attracted they are to Jesus. The more and more we say stuff and I found... I haven't got time to tell lots of stories, but I, I just know that the, the more I kind of say, hey, this is a struggle, this is a mistake, and say, actually, I've made the mistake, I own up to it, and now I want to work through solution. It wins people around you. As they realize, actually, this, this seems to be something different here. The more you live with no masks on, and people realize that you're not wearing any masks, the more they listen to you. I remember my hairdresser seeing me, and he said, Adrian, I saw you the other day, but you didn't see me, and you were smiling. He said, and what it showed me is I thought, hey, you smile when no one's even looking. What's with you? I thought, well, it's just kind of happy. Why? Because there's something people are looking for, which is authenticity, and we've got it, and we can reveal it, and people love it. So let's leave with the question then, which is this. What do you need to do to live more authentically? Maybe it's that we need to discover who Jesus is and how he wants to define our lives. Maybe it's that we have realized that and we're needing to say, actually, I need to live from this place then. I need to live knowing I'm marked and how that then causes me to live in sober judgment in my strengths and weaknesses and my failures and my successes and cause us then as a community to commit and say, hey, let's... Let's be devoted, let's share, and let's not hide anything. Imagine that. There's a song that we don't actually sing in Oasis, I don't think, where it just, the line of it is, uh, to God, it says, to you our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden. And I think for me, increasingly, I just think, that's just how I want it to be. That for each and every one of us, we could just say, to you, God, our lives are open. To one another, our lives are open. Nothing's hidden. Why? Because we're more loved and accepted than we could ever dare to believe. Therefore, we don't need to put any pretenses on. Can I pray for us? And then basically we're going to end. And what I'd like us to do in terms of ending today is just, is just to do this. It's just to take a moment and turn to someone and say, hey, how are you doing? And then just go, this. Is that right? I'm just going to pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that through your life, death, and resurrection, you've set about a whole new way of life. A whole new way of life that keeps being revealed to us. And God, whether we're those that have been following you for months or those who've been following you for decades, it just feels like when we get to a point where we feel like we're getting to the edges, you just expand our vision again to realize how much we have in you. And God, we want to live in the abundance of the life that you have for us. And God, in this whole area of authenticity, I want to pray, God, that we would live knowing that we are authenticated by you in order that we'd live authentic lifestyles with one another and everyone we come into contact with. We ask this for your glory, Jesus. Amen.